0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com What's called Hashem does talk to man and that talking to man is called Nevoah. That's called nevuah, which is prophecy. So the sixth principle is <laughs> I believe with perfect faith that the words of the prophets are true. Very important. I believe perfect faith. All the words of the prophets are true. And in Yigdal it's sung, he has granted the bounty of his prophecy to the people of his choice and glory, which is very interesting. So how does a person become a prophet? And who does a, who does God decide to talk to? And the answer is it requires two things. There's two things um, which have to mesh to become a prophet. Number one is a person has to prepare themselves to become a prophet. A person has to want to be a prophet. A person has to know how to become a prophet. And in fact, there's a book, a small book, for those who want to be prophets. What's the book called? Anyone know? It's called The Path of the Just. Mislat Isharim by Moshe Chaim Luzato. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato was a very big Kabbalist and he was very, he was, had Ruha HaKodesh. He would, he would have a kind of prophecy, a very low level prophecy, but he was a prophet as well in a sense. That he could see angels and angels would talk to him and would get messages going backwards and forwards. And he wrote a book called Mislat <speaking> Isharim, <in Hebrew> The Path of the Just where he talks about what levels a person's got to be on, obviously different ethical levels to climb, to get to the level where they are fit now to be prophets. So that's the first stage. The second stage is, it's not so simple, why? He says over there, a person can be fit to be a prophet, doesn't mean God's going to speak to them. Because God chooses who he wants to speak to. (coughs) Even though we try our best to get spoken to, Hashem is the one, lastly, who chooses who to speak to. He doesn't speak to any Tom, Dick, and Harry. You know, the guy tried his best to reach the highest levels. Hashem doesn't want to speak to him. So you can't force God to speak to you. Okay? So you can plead and you can beg and you can ask. And, but Hashem chooses who to speak to. And we see this in the story of David Melech, right? When David Melech gets chosen, and Navi goes to Yishai. And he says, Yishai, bring me all your sons. I want to see all your sons. I'm going to choose one son to be the next king of Israel. I'm going to anoint him. And he sees the first son. He says, oh, he's handsome, he's tall, this must be the one. And Hashem says, no, this is not the one. Adam a man looks with his eyes, Hashem ro'e belevav. God looks with the heart. God knows what's inside the person. God doesn't choose a person based on their outside appearances. God chooses a person based on their insights. And that's why sometimes Hashem speaks to people, sometimes Hashem won't speak to the people. So even though the person ready for prophecy, yeah. he did he did everything he did everything in the path of just. He got all the high ethical levels, but there's something missing inside which Hashem says, I "Don't talk to this guy." So interesting. So prophecy applies to both the men and women. We had very famous women prophets, right? Who? Miriam, yeah. Miriam, Sarah, Deborah, Deborah, Hannah, Hulda. There's a gate of the Bet called the Hulda Gate. Huldah was a, a prophetess in the time of Yumiyahu and Avi. <coughs> and the Jews, when they had troubles, they didn't go to Yumiyahu. They'd rather go to a woman, she has more compassion. They went to Huldah. So, if you, I, I went up there, I went to the top of the steps up to the Huldah gate. You can go there today. So, outside is a be dash. The Huldah gate is right there. It's just locked, it just blocked it up. The Arabs just blocked it up, though. You can't go in. I wouldn't advise you to go in either, but uh, it's there. It, if you go to the kotel, facing the kotel, on the right side you'll see excavations down below. If you go up those excavations, if you go down into the excavations, you go up the hill. You can go up the, the steps to the hilda gate. Outside the hilda gate, there are mikvahot and bathrooms. Amazing! You can see in the, in the stone, you see the, the mikvah ot. And the difference between the mikvah in those days and mikvah today is, in the mikvah you had a brick, you had a, a, a wall in the staircase going down to the mikvah. The wall. So one side people will go down, one side people will come up. Because the guy who's tahor shouldn't touch the person who's tame. So there's, uh, there's, a, there's a wall between. So there's, there's like a wall in the steps. The staircase is going to be <coughs> quite interesting. So the sixth principle of faith is that we believe that God does speak to people. It's an amazing concept. God speaks to human beings. God speaks to men. God speaks to women. God says to Abraham Abinu, he says, Listen to her voice. That hey has got a mapik. has got a, a dot, a in the Listen to her voice, Rashi says. Listen to the voice of prophecy that speaks through her mouth. Not just listen to her voice. Listen to her voice of prophecy. Sarah was a bigger prophet than Abraham. Amazing. And her, her main name, what was her other name? What was Sarah's real name? Yitzka. Yitzka. Where does Yitzka come from? Mm-hmm. The word Socheh. So to look far. Yiska. so she could draw prophecy. Yisca. Some people, some girls, the named Yisca. I have a girl in my my, my, my daughter's class. Your grandmother's name, beautiful name, Yiska. So Sarah's real name. Sarah's real name before she was called Sarah. Sarah is like a title. Sar, a princess. Sarah a princess. So Abraham calls her my princess. Isn't nice. Sarai, my princess. But her real name was is Yisca. How do we know? Because in the it says. Haran had uh, two, two daughters, Milka and Yiska, and one son, Lot. So Haran, her father, had two daughters, Milka and Yiska. And we know she was the daughter of Haran. Which daughter was she? Milka or Yiska? So she was Yiska. Anyway, she was a prophetess. So the question is now, we believe that the words of the prophets are true. Okay? There are human beings that have such great perfection that achieve that spiritual perfection and spiritual wisdom that the human intellect is bound up with Hashem. It's amazing. The Roman calls it the mind that works is bound up with Hashem and receives emanations from Hashem. This is prophecy. And these people who achieve it are called the prophets. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. That's the sixth principle is we believe there are Hashem does talk to man and that's our Monday night class of meditation, Jewish meditation obviously we're not going to get to the level of prophecy because prophecy does not exist today except for fools and mad people the says prophecy exists today for children and mad people children and mad people what does that mean? that means today we don't have prophecy in a regular sense and so a person says, you know, I'm a prophet unless it's Eliana V we know Eliana v is going to come Hashem says, I'm going to send out Yalavi, before the great day. Yalavi is going to come back, and he's going to come to announce to Mashiach, what's his job? And the answer is he's going to teach, he's going to start schools of prophecy. Because uh, when we see Hashem in the future, we're going to see Hashem through prophecy. You have to learn how to be a prophet. You can't just see Hashem. You have to learn to be a prophet. And part of being a prophet is, to withstand the prophecy. So how to withstand prophecy is practically impossible. And there's a beautiful story in in Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Aleph, I think it's chapter 18, <coughs> I'm not right. Chapter 18 or 19 of Shmuel Aleph. It says, Shaul Amelach wanted to kill David. And we all know, right? The famous story, Shaul Amelach wants to kill David. David is his rival, and he feels David is a traitor. He's the king, and David's going to be the next king. And David, they're, already, they're the, daughter, the women of Israel are already praising David, that he's saving them from the pelishtim. And he wants to kill David. And David runs away, and David goes to Prophet Shmuel. So Shaul knows where he is. He sends messages. He sends his guards. Go arrest David now. Put him to death. So guards go to Shmuel, and they all become prophets. And they start prophesying. He sends more guards. Second group. They start prophesying. They don't come back. The third group. There goes. They start prophesying. They don't come back. He goes himself. Shmuel goes himself. And he goes and David and Shmuel and Abiz is prophesying with the prophets. And Shaul starts prophesizing. It says for two days, he was like a madman. He was like, he's totally out of it completely. Shaul was totally out of it for two days. He was knocked down by prophecy. He was taken, the prophecy takes over a person, and he was lying on the floor and prophesying. So that's the person like in a trance. They're totally out of it completely, out of it completely. So that's prophecy. It's very hard to be a prophet. And Moshe Rabbele was the one who could withstand the prophecy, he could walk around, talk to God, and talk to you. That's That's, that's why we're going to come to one of the next principles of faith. The Moshe Rabbeinu is the greatest prophet, and there'll never be a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu. His prophecy was different, unique, in that he could talk to God and talk to man within a few seconds. He could take the prophecy without without being in a trance-like state, without getting out of it and being uh, totally inoperative. So we do believe. Raman says in the laws of uh, foundations of the Torah, it is a foundation of our faith. To know that God grants prophecy to man, to human beings. Such prophecy. Now it comes to the actual character of the person. Who gets the prophecy? Number one, a person has to have great intelligence. If a person's a fool, they're not going to get prophecy. Because why? Because the prophecy comes through the intellect. It doesn't come through the imagination. It comes through the intellect. Interesting. It comes through the intellect. Obviously, the imagination is involved. The emotions are involved. But the main vehicle according to Koyiturama is the intellect. Chokmah. And uh, number two, a person has to have a very strong character. What's a strong character? A gibor. What's a gibor? A mighty person? Pre-care what it says, hakovesh et Yitzro, person who can control themselves. It's so hard to control oneself. It's so hard to see sights you're not meant to see. To say words you're not meant to say. To hear things you're not meant to hear. Oh, it's so hard be a gibor. To taste things you're not meant to taste. You know, that the story is that uh, uh, the kiddush... They see the rabbi wolfing down chocolate cake. The rabbi, you have a, a sweet tooth for chocolate cases. Yeah, thank God. It's, this is my only vice. <laughs> People have different vices. So at least I take out my vices: chocolate cake. It oh, okay, sure. should only be things which are innocuous. To, we have to try and control ourselves in every, every direction. So prophet, one of the things is to be a prophet, you've got to be total self control. So a strong character. Not be overcome by the impulses in any way. Also must have constant control over their emotions. It's so hard to control one's emotions. Doesn't get angry, doesn't get sad, doesn't get happy, doesn't get excited, doesn't... Self-control. Self-control is totally smooth sailing all the time. No emotional highs, no emotional lows. It's very hard to stay emotionally <coughs> straight all the time. So whatever happens, the guy is not phased by that. Not phased by anything. My, my mother tells me that once a, a bandit broke into my, my grandfather's house and put a gun to his head Michael put a gun to his head and he just sat there calm as a cucumber what do you want I'll give you whatever you want take it. and the guy put the gun away and walked away just, just by staying calm sometimes in a situation it's so hard crazy it's crazy. we should never know these situations but it's very that's, that's total self-control self-control is not even feeling any emotions it's very hard so that's a strong character. An outlook that is both very broad and very firm. Now, it's very interesting because a prophet must have a very open mind. Why? Because he sees things that would drive a regular person crazy. You see things like, for example, the future. Right? So Yeshayahu Navi is seeing angel airplanes. What does he say? How does he describe them? On the wings of eagles. I'll bring you back on the wings of eagles. So he doesn't know what airplanes are. He just sees these big monsters. He says. The largest thing we have today are eagles. They must be eagles. So, I'll bring you back, Hashem says, on the wings of eagles. So, when the Yemenite Jews are waiting over there, the airstrips so in 1948 to come back to Israel, and they see the big planes landing, oh, Hashem prophesies. And on the way, I'm going to bring you back on the wings of eagles. So, they take it for granted. These are the wings of eagles. Hashem sent us wings of eagles to bring us back. See? It's amazing how the prophet has to see the future. It's like H.G. Wells' time machine, right? Imagine, he's writing about the future. How do you write about the future? How do you write... How do you tell an ancient man that I was on a cell phone? Mm-hmm. And not only that, today's cell phones even better. You have images. I've I'm, I'm, I'm seen people on Skype. I'm, I'm actually Skyping people. I'm, well, how do you describe the ancient man? Uh, or TVs or whatever, or, or airplanes or other things like that. Technology, which... So you imagine tomorrow's technology today. How are we going to describe it to our children? It's very hard. So prophets can be able to have an open mind, to be able to see the future and explain it to the people who are present. <coughs> a person who has all these qualities <coughs> can then delve into the spiritual. He can advance these deep, subtle concepts, gaining a firm understanding and perception of them. Okay, that was the easy part. The hard part is, you must also sanctify oneself. And must achieve a constant diligence in not even thinking of non-essentials. in other words he's got to fix their mind on God completely. The prophets got to separate themselves from society for a certain period of time to get a prophecy and fix their minds on God completely. nothing disturbing that must bind his intellect to the throne of <laughs> glory striving to comprehend the purity and holiness of the spiritual beings. he must furthermore contemplate the wisdom of God in everything, Understand it, its significance. So this is what, it's hard to be a prophet. It's hard to control one's mind. Because there's so many distractions today. Imagine, a prophet and a cell phone doesn't go together. Because right? every you're thinking about God, he gets a call. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? You. Sorry, I was thinking about God and I just broke my concentration. So it's impossible to be a prophet with a cell phone. You've you just got to go away. And that's why Moshe Ben had to get prophecy. Looking after sheep. Now Ramdu where did he gets prophecy looking after the sheeps gets his prophecy he's looking the sheep Yaakov gets prophecy looking after the sheep uh, David Amela gets prophecy looking at the sheep why because there's no distractions he's there in the in the desert in the middle of the night and the sheep are sleeping and looking at the stars I mean, thinking about God's creation thinking about the no. there's no distraction you've got to be at a place with no distractions <coughs> Eliana B gets his famous prophecy also he runs away he goes to the south to bear and Hashem says go to Sinai he gets massive prophecy at Sinai. It's like a reenactment of the giving of the Torah. 40 days, Eliyahu is on Sinai, in a cave, and then he gets this beautiful prophecy. So again, it's, it takes a lot of focus and concentration to get prophecy. So, one who can do all these things, he says, is immediately worthy of divine inspiration. Ruach hakodesh You see, today, it's possible to get Ruach hakodesh You find these great rabbis who lock themselves in rooms, Mm-hmm. And uh, all they do is study Torah all day, and they get the record. They can right. see things. So they start see things. Rabbi? Yes. Why is it such a big schuss? Not to feel, just to study Torah all the time. What? I mean, shouldn't a person be able to feel and then decide what they want to do? Look at both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, there's both. There's two. There's two sides to it, like Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only is he talking to God and learning to God, but he's also helping people. Yes, right. So that's a two... So the idea of a prophet is not just to be a prophet for himself, but eventually to come down. Because it wasn't, the prophecy was not just for itself, usually. The prophecy was for other people. That's the hard part of being a prophet. Why? Because people don't want to hear what God wants to say. People don't want to hear what God has to say. And people don't like what God has to say sometimes. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. And therefore, the, therefore, the prophets sometimes were persecuted. You find prophets who... Yemiyao, they try to kill Yemiyao. Yishayyao, they did kill Yishayyao. Yishayyao was killed by his own grandson, King Benasheo. So some of the prophets, they want to shut their mouths because the prophet's job, it wasn't just to say nice things sometimes. It was usually to rebuke, unfortunately. And so the prophet, we know in Jewish system of government, there are four different parts of the government in Jewish system. So on the one side you have the king. You have the king. You have the judges, the courts. You have the Kohanim, and number four is, you have the prophet. And his job is to rebuke all three. So the king doesn't behave, he goes to the king, right? Natanah Navi comes to David and Melech, rebukes the king. Uh, the, the priest doesn't behave, he goes to the priest. And so everyone, the prophet's job is a very hard job, because he has to rebuke everyone. And you can imagine, the King don't like to be rebuked. And the, and the priests don't like them, and the judges don't like no one likes them. so that's why it's so hard to be a prophet it's so hard to be a prophet okay so uh, please stop off the camera so all prophets have one thing come except for Moshe Rebbe and that is they see the prophet their prophecy in a vision a trance, it's like a dream, they can't be awake and have prophecy. So, that's the common denominator. Of all prophets is they see their prophecy in dreams or in trances. So, that's why it says by Abraham Avinu Abraham Avinu says, Naflat and a great sleep fell on Abraham Avinu, and then he started, he saw. But without that sleep, you can see, <coughs> so it's only in a trance like state that the prophets can see. The exception is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the only <coughs> one amazing prophecy. You can see prophecy, even is walking, awake, walking and talking. So why is it only possible to see at a vision or in a dream? And the answer is a very traumatic experience. The prophet's limbs tremble. His body becomes faint. He loses control of his own thoughts. He's taken over, basically he's taken over by God. The message of God takes over the prophet. He does, he's, he's, He loses his identity. And the greater the level of the person loses their identity, the bigger the prophecy. And the problem with the prophets are that sometimes their ego, the trouble is you have to interpret your message through your ego. So the bigger the prophet's ego, the more they're putting into their own message, into the prophecy. And that's why Wish Rabbeinu's prophecy <coughs> was the greatest prophecy. Why? So it says he was the humble, Anav me'ol, we call Adam. he was the most humble human being around. And therefore, his prophecy was not filtered through his ego. His ego was very low. very very minor ego and therefore his prophecy was completely true as opposed to the other prophets and that's what it says i'm sure you heard the saying that uh, prophets uh, there's different kinds of prophecy you can, it's like seen through a clear glass or through a frosted glass you heard that before no. so what is this glass they talk about the glass is one's ego right because sees through a clear glass that means they have no ego but it's through a sort of frosted glass that means there's an ego there. they're interpreting it through their ego So when we're reading the prophets, and it says that Hashem told me that that's not verbatim being told to us in the words that Hashem told to the prophet, it's being interpreted. <coughs> by yes, the exactly. Some 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 of the prophecies you can see our interpretations because they they get they get what's called a parable, and they and they get sometimes they get the interpretation of the parable as well, and then they use that, or they inter- they have to interpret the parable themselves, and they have to give you. The interpretation of what they're Okay. So, so Moshe Rabbeinu was verbatim. Moshe Rabbeinu was verbatim. Mm-hmm. That was the clearest prophecy there is. For, let me give you an example. Um, you have people who translate, official translators, right? Um, now, you can you imagine the translator is translating, but he's not really translating accurately. He's adding things from his own. So the most dangerous translators are the translators who take over what the person is saying. Mm-hmm. So, the person is saying something. You know, and then the translator he doesn't want to say what they said because it's too harsh. Maybe the people uh, get, he's going to get the wrong message to people, and therefore he's, he's translating PC as being PC. He's translating it in a nice way, but it's not exactly what the person said. So that's going through the person's ego. So it's a translation through the ego, and you can apply that to the, to the prophet. So Hashem is talking to the prophet, and the prophet's translating it to other people in a different way, and that's called a false prophet. And those are the false prophets. False prophets take the message from God, and they change it completely into a, a wrong message, completely, based on their own ego. And we find this in the in, the, in the Torah, in the Book of Kings, where some, the kings wants to know whether they fight a war or not, and uh, the, the true prophet says, don't fight the war, and the real, and the fake prophet says, fight the war. But he's a prophet. How can he be a false prophet? And the answer, he takes his prophecy and twists it according to his own ego. The words of, of seeing which one is which. Is what? Is there a way of... The only way is, as according to the other signs we have. So the person a, you a your you got another person before he's a prophet. What kind of person is he? Does he learn Torah? Is, uh, is he reliable? Is he honest? Is he a truthful person, a reliable person, a good person? Can he control himself? <coughs> right Then you can assume that he's, a, he's a true prophet. But you're going to talk about how do you know who's a prophet? The guy who says, I'm a prophet. Come tomorrow... At 7 p.m. Raritan River, I'm going to split the Raritan River. <laughs> Does that mean he's a prophet? So if he can do that, is he a prophet? And the no. answer is no. But, no. but today we don't have prophets. I'm just saying. Suppose when a guy comes along. So, so we know the, the false prophet, the out Yeah. But how? Yeah. How do you know he's a false prophet? That's the question. How do you know he's a false prophet? Well, well, and the answer is based on who he is. Based on who the person is. So the guy's a Russia, How can he be a prophet? I don't think he's a prophet. <laughs> even, if he, even if he splits the Raritan River, I don't believe him. He's just using sleight of hand, magic. Who knows what he's doing? Trickery. It's not a true prophecy. How do you do that? By like possession of those persons that I know is good. have you a dream and then wake up knowing that person has dead. That person is Yes. So that's that's Goodbye. kind of that's kind of ruach HaKodesh. That's kind of ruach HaKodesh. Sometimes we talked about we talk about dreams. That's a whole different topic. But I did give a class on dreams. There's an hour on the website. Uh, to any time you'll find on dreams. Very interesting. And uh, sometimes the dreams are true. Sometimes dreams... There are messages in dreams. But usually dreams are based on a person's subconscious. Most dreams... Persons what? Subconscious. What a person thinks about during the day, that's normally what they think about during the night. Mm-hmm. So, But there are dreams which are true dreams. So we find the uh, end of Bresheep. And it's interesting. Hold whole of end of Bresheep. Yaakov even starts having dreams... Right? He has dreams of ladders. He has dreams of sheep. And Yosef uh, has dreams. And Paro has dreams. Well, it's very interesting how the dreams go from Yaakov to Yosef to Paro of all, son, of, all, of all people. And the butler and the baker have dreams. And these are real dreams. These are dreams that have some message. So we dreams, some dreams have messages. How will you know which dream has a message or not? And the answer is the dream is vivid and it's repeated a few times. It probably has a message. It's vivid and repeated and wakes you up. And usually has a message. But if, if it doesn't wake you up, it's not vivid. Don't have to worry about it. And it's interesting, because rabbis were very concerned about dreams. Because if a person has a bad dream, there's all sorts of things to do, right? There's Tani chalom. You can fast. That's if it's a really bad dream. You can fast. There's a formula, you fast the next day. Uh, there's Chathavat Chalom. You go to three friends, and you tell them the dream, and they say, it was a good dream, it was a good dream, a good dream, Hashem, make it good. There's chatavat halom, and then there's a prayer at the time the Shemones, right? A person can, can say to make good dreams, make the dream good. So people, the rabbis were concerned about dreams because people in those days were very, very tuned into their dreams. There was no TV, there was no radio, there was no distractions. Their dreams, they lived with their dreams. Their dreams were very, very powerful today. Today, our uh, minds are uh, full of garbage anyway, so... Yes. <laughs> Yes. I know. I studied psychology in college, and I took a, a course on dream analysis, like what things mean. Right. You know, Freud's the these days. Uh-huh. <laughs> But you know what? It's a Gemara. It's the whole nice chapter of Brachot talks about what dreams mean. Amazing. This is, I'm sure, Freud got a lot of it from the Gemara Brachot. Yes. What is that paragraph? What do you say during Shmuel's There's a paragraph through the repetition, and during Birkat usually. Uh If you look in the art scroll you might find it. Some syndrome happen, some syndrome most of them don't happen. So, um, usually a prophet is in a trance. When a prophet is given a message, come back to your question, it's given in the form of an allegory. The interpretation of the allegory, however, is immediately implanted in his mind. He knows its meaning. Thus, for example, Yaakov saw a ladder with angels going up and down the ladder. Right? Now we we don't know what it means, but he knew what it meant. And he woke up very scared and until he saw Hashem on the top of the ladder. Then he woke up. So what does it mean? So the rabbis give a few explanations. One explanation is that these are the angels of the nations of the world climbing the ladder. They're getting to the top. In other words, they're controlling us. You saw the Greeks and the Romans and the Babylonians and the Persians and going climbing the ladder. He gets terribly ter- 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 really scared. So he sees Hashem on top. I'm in control of history. Says, yeah, this is okay. If you were in control, I'd have nothing to fear. If you're not in control, then big problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the. The same is true about the other prophets. The prophet Ezekiel sees a vision of living creatures. Jeremiah sees a boiling plot, uh, pot, an almond tree rod. So the prophets have these shalim, these parables. In some cases, only the interpretation was revealed. Other times, only the allegory was uh, recorded. All the prophets, however, only prophesied by means of allegories and metaphors, except for Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu had direct prophecy. The others could see things they had to interpret. Sometimes they got the interpretation as well. Now, how would a person, one of the mechanisms of prophecy, have, a prophet cannot be a prophet unless they're happy. You cannot be a sad prophet, no such mm-hmm. thing. If you're depressed, prophecy goes away. God does not speak to depressed people. God only speaks to happy people, and that's why it's so hard to be a prophet to be happy all the time. <laughs> it's hard to be happy all the time. Right? Even when you go in trouble, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was in trouble. Uh, Paro and the Egyptians, and this and that, imagine how to keep his prophecy. So he had to keep his mental state clear and happy, in a sense. It's very that. When they to do say that was yes, his prophecy? Exactly. When Yosef has disappeared, that was 22 years. 20, 20 years? 21 years he was lost his prophecy. It's a shame, because if he had his prophecy, he would know Yosef was still alive. But the yeah. fact that he got depressed and lost his prophecy is like a vicious cycle. Oh. He gets depressed, loses his prophecy, and he doesn't know that Yosef is alive. So mm-hmm. it just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. Whereas his father Yitzhak he says was alive, and he knew Yosef was alive, but he wasn't allowed to tell Yaakov. Right? He sees his son suffering in a so tell time. Mm-hmm. Yosef is alive, but don't tell Yaakov. Yaakov's not allowed to know. Yaakov has to suffer. <coughs> Terrible. Why did Yaakov have to suffer? Because Yaakov didn't do, didn't honor his parents for twenty-one years. So his son doesn't honor him for twenty-one years. So, tragic situation. <coughs> so how does a how does a prophet get into a good mental state? And the answer we find in the Book of Samuel, chapter ten, and Shmuel Aleph, it says the prophets would come with their musical instruments. Music, music is very very critical. For prophecy, music is very, very critical to be in a good frame of mind. So, I'm talking about good music, good quality music. And uh, that's one of the things, we've got a better big dash, which we don't have, unfortunately. One of the reasons why it's so sad is the music, we lost the music. We lost the music of prophecy. What do you mean the music of prophecy? The music that went along with the words of Tehillim. We lost that music. And if you were there and heard that music, you'd also start prophesying. It says, Jonah becomes a prophet in the Beit Dash on Sukkot. When they went for the water-drawing ceremony, they had tremendous music and dancing, and he became a prophecy that same day. So we say, Shaftem Maim when, when the prophet writes, you'll draw your water, which became a very famous folk song in Israel. Maim Sasson. What is he talking about? Drawing water from the wellsprings of salvation. He's talking about prophecy. Drawing prophecy for the wellsprings of Hashem. That's what he's talking about. It's a very high level. So the prophets would therefore have people play music for them when they were seeking prophecy. And that's what uh, the prophets true chapter 10. A band of prophets coming from a high place led by harp, drum, flute and lyre and they were seeking prophecy. So music will get them into this ecstasy, ecstatic state to get prophecy. You see in the uh, dances, the weddings, you were dancing with the music and getting into the it's like kind of meditation. And you're singing the words of the music and And that's how person gets prophecy from those words. The the words start speaking to the person. It says, uh, Rav Yosef Karo has a book called Magid Mishari. Magid Mishari was his own personal magid. He had an angel teaching him. He says, and the angel says, "I am the voice of your Mishnah." You Mishnah. You created me by learning Mishnah. You create Mishnah. You read Mishnah. You created me. I'm the voice of your Mishnah. He was introduced himself, the angel. He mentioned the whole book of what the angel told him. I am the voice of your Mishnah. The angel told him. <clears throat> so it's possible to get through meditation, through meditating on good things. When a prophet is sent, he's usually given a sign or miracle in order to show the people that he was actually sent by God. So we know that Moshe was given signs, right? his hand turned white, uh, the stick turned into a snake, the water turned into blood. Mm-hmm. Different signs he was given to show that he was a prophet. <laughs> Nevertheless, we do not accept everyone who performs a sign of miracle as a prophet. First, he must demonstrate he is fit for prophecy. It comes back to the question, how do you know he's a prophet? He Who's a false prophet? Who's a true prophet? And the answer is, number one, they've got to be outstanding in his generation, both in wisdom and in piety. Yeah, outstanding wisdom and piety, then you can say, maybe he's a prophet. The guy is, uh, I don't know, he's a... Road sweeper. And he has no wisdom and no piety. He comes along and he says, "I'm a prophet. Yeah, I'm going to split the river." I'm sorry, we don't believe you. <coughs> we don't know who you are. You have no background. You have no basis. Yeah. It's all tricks you do. So it's interesting. I just believe anyone who comes along makes a sign and, and a miracle. Must follow the holy paths of prophecy, separating himself from all worldly things. The guy comes along. I needs a big donation. Sorry. A prophet, because prophets have to separate themselves from worldly things. Prophets, most prophets were destitute; they were destitute or supported, or they were very wealthy. Or they didn't need any support. So Moshe uh, Rabenu eventually became wealthy through the through the the pieces of the of the stone, <coughs> sapphire. Yeah, because Hashem says to hew the second stones for the Ten Commandments. And the rabbis say he hewed the stones; they were sapphire stones. And he was able to keep the pieces that broke off. That's how he became very wealthy. <laughs> Moshe oh, Be wow. became very <laughs> wealthy. <laughs> yeah, the Midrash says. Because when they said when the Jews were collecting all the money, for the gold and silver in Egypt, he was busy with the bones of Joseph. He wasn't collecting money. He had no use for money. Moshe Ibn <laughs> was amazing. Even though he had kids and a wife, <coughs> he was not into materialism interest at all. So that's one of the signs of a prophet. Prophet comes along and says, I'm into materialism. That's a sign you're not a prophet. Because if God wants to give you food, he'll give you food. I find many stories how the, the ravens brought Eliyahu V food from the king's table. You can you imagine the king's, king, the king's uh, chefs are cooking, and these ravens come and they grab the food, and they take it, and, a, and they bring it to the prophet, uh, Eliyahu. Glad <laughs> kosher from the king's table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> so, so, one of the signs of prophecy is the guy's not greedy. He's greedy. Eli- Elisha. Right? Naaman, you've heard this famous story of Naaman, Naaman comes a general from Syria comes to Elisha the prophet curing from his leprosy, right? Elisha is leprosy. Uh, Naaman has leprosy and he goes to Elisha and Elisha says go and dip in the river Jordan seven times and Naaman says what are you talking about, i got big rivers in Syria I don't need to come to the river Jordan that puny little river Jordan come all the way and dip in the river Jordan he got got uh, rivers of Syria so his, uh, his uh, servant said, now you're here. Just listen to him. Just go and try it. So he goes dip seven times in the river of Jordan. He's cured of his leprosy. Miracle. Tremendous miracle. And he goes to the prophet Elisha. He says, Elisha, here I have wagon loads of gold and silver for you. I don't need it. I didn't do anything with God. I don't want your gold and silver. <laughs> Maybe. So that's a prophet. A prophet is a guy. Not just of in money. Money does not affect the person. That's a good sign. That's a very good sign for a prophet. Hashem will raise a prophet. the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and you will listen to the prophet so it's very important to know who's a true prophet or a true prophet so you can tell how by the person's righteousness the person's not righteous he's a false prophet so for example Gehazi Gehazi was Elisha's student right but Gehazi had a lot of faults and failings and he runs after Naaman he says my master changed his mind he wants the money (laughs) so he got all the money he takes all the money and he goes back to Elisha as if nothing happened. Elisha says, where have you been? And he says, Oh, I was just looking at the little things, the odds and ends, in my in my in my basement. And Elisha says, Whatever he had will go to you. all his leprosy will come to you. You took his money, leprosy will come to you. So it's interesting. You can't fool a prophet. One of the dangers of being around a prophet is you can't fool him. If a prophet can see mm-hmm. what you've been, what you're doing, what you're up to, you can't even say, Oh, I just did something yeah. I've been busy right now. Elisha says, I know what you're up to. He hasn't. So, okay. So we do believe in prophecy and the Ramam tells us, when a prophet comes and says, I'm sent by God, all he must do is accurately predict the future three times. The sign will be he predicts the future three times he so asked me a question uh, give me a question what, what, do you, what, what would you like to know about tomorrow or day after today they can predict the weather but in those days oh, mm-hmm. so whatever let's so say uh, uh, where will where will there be a storm tomorrow or where will there be an earthquake tomorrow and he to predicts tomorrow the earthquake will be in some sort of place location what's going to happen with North Korea and he predicts and all his predictions come true you can assume he's a prophet. Okay? Uh, but however, we have we're going to come to the different criteria. We can then test this prophet a number of times. His predictions all come true that he is a true prophet. We find this in the case of Samuel. Samuel grew and God was with him, and not one of his words did not come true. And all of Israel from Dan to Sheba, knew that Shemuel had become established as a prophet. Anyway, whatever he said came true. Whatever he said came true. That's the prophet. So, what's the difference between a prophet? And a guy, a fortune teller. And the answer is that a fortune teller may predict the future, but they're not always accurate. Some predictions come, some predictions go. And same for the astrologers, they can't predict it totally accurately. But the prophets are totally accurate all the time. The predictions of all true prophets, however, must all come true. And that's only a good prophecy. But a bad prophecy, Hashem, could always change. But good prophecies have to come true. The prophet says something good will happen to you. You're going to win the lottery tomorrow. This guy's this, and this guy's that, and he's going to get a good job, and, da, 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 and it comes true. He's a true prophet. Okay, we see. One of the main tasks of the prophets is to tell us the future and predict such things as bounty and famine. And the r tells them you're going to have uh, times of famine. Famine is going to come. And then after three years, he says, that's it, famine's over. The rain's going to come. He predicts already, he predicts. Suggests so when things were really bleak, and he's predicting rain now. So, so then, no, there's no, there's a blue sky. There's no clouds in the sky. And the navidah is on Harakarmel, and he sends his, his servant, go and see if there's a cloud coming. No. Go and see again. No. Go and see again. Yes. There's a small cloud the size of a fist. of he tells the king, quickly, go home quickly before the rains come. It's going to be a big storm. So he predicted, and then eventually big big rains came. So that's the prophet, that's the ability for a prophet. Even the needs of an individual may be revealed to a prophet. So in Saul, King Saul, before he became the king, I'm sure Shakespeare based himself on the story. As king Saul lost his father's donkeys. And he was looking for his father's donkeys. And he goes, Who can find help him find his father's donkeys? What do you do if you lose your your donkeys in those days? No GPS in those days. There's no police, there's no what do you do with it? And the answer is, you go to the seer. Jose In Hebrew, it's a Jose. What's a Jose? A person who can see. It's called the seer. Seer. S-E-E-R. And that's what he said. Where is the seer? Where is the Shmuel and avi I want to see. I want to go to Shmuel and avi Maybe he can help me where my donkey's are. <laughs> can you imagine going to, going to the prophet to find out where your donkey's not Very really mundane stuff. But the prophet can do that. So he goes to the prophet, knock on the door. Shmuel, can you help me? He says, yeah, but first you come with me. Let's go, we have to bring a korban. We have to bring a korban. And then after we bring the korban, we'll eat together, and then I'll talk to you. I know exactly what you want, and I'll answer you. By the way, your your, your father found his donkeys. <laughs> you didn't have to ask the question. I told him what it, can you imagine? Probably could tell you what's in your head. without even you talking. So this is what you wanted to ask, and this is the answer. You tell the answer before you ask the question. Amazing. So that's, you see that prophecies can come even for small things, not just for big things. So he's the, what is the main issue of the prophet? And the answer is the prophet comes and tells us, and teach us, and tell us the future. And, but his job is not to add or subtract the commandments of God. Because we're going to see that's another principle of faith, that whatever God gives us in the Torah, we are not allowed to add or subtract. And a prophet who tries to add or subtract is going to be So that's one of the things we get. The prophet is into danger. However, he's allowed to subtract or add for what's called horacha, a temporary emergency. If it's a temporary emergency, for example, not, after the temple was built, you're not allowed to bring a private altar. You're not allowed to bring offerings. And Elijah, the prophet, did bring an offering on Mount Carmel. How could he do it? And the answer is emergency situation just for once. That's it. And he himself saying, I'm not taking away all subtracting from the Torah. I keep the Torah. I just, but this is an emergency situation that just once I'm going to do this once. That's it. Because people need to see the glory of God right now. What's the benefit? Of what's the benefit? I mean, it's fantastic. You don't know what's going to happen. People come to me and say, Rabbi, what's going to happen? I'm a prophet. You imagine you go to the prophet and say, what's going to happen? Israel surrounded by all these nations. What they, what's going to happen eventually? So the prophet says, I said, kid, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's so and so date, it's so and so year, there's going to be this and there's going to be that. So. so, So we can't see. We can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. The prophet can tell you exactly what's going to happen. But then people will not rely on God as much. Well, that is God. It's the voice of God. Well, the prophet is the voice of God. I forget. They're not, it's not they're not relying on God. The prophet's telling you, God says this. It's the voice of God. The trouble today is we don't have a voice of God. We're stuck. So what do we do? So people go here, they've got a fortune tell they go there, there horoscopes, other things, all garbage. It's not going to help them. Anything you can do is pray today. That's what we can do. We don't know the outcome of the prayer. We know who's going to live, who's going to die. Maybe that's good. The prophet can tell you. Don't worry, this guy's going to live. He looks very sick, but he's going to, he's going to live. <coughs> the kid is lost, but he's over there. So why are there no more Shafinavim uh, today? What happened? So Talmud says that the rabbis in the time of the Second Temple, and Chikhanesim, <coughs> the leaders of the Great Assembly, decided in their wisdom that we have to destroy the Yitzhara, we have to destroy the evil inclination, because with the evil inclination of of idolatry, the temple is going to be destroyed again, because the Jews are going to become idol worshippers again, there's a tremendous, we cannot even understand the idol worship, the the, the inclination of idol worship, we have no concept what it means, right, I don't want to make an idol and bow down to the idol, I have no desire to make an idol, it doesn't make sense to me. So who, where did that get? Where, who got rid of that desire? And the answer is the leaders of the Great Assembly. They, they got together. They made a Hashem, please get rid of this desire for idolatry. Hashem says, okay, but you've got to know, there's a balance in the world between idolatry and prophecy. When idolatry is great, there's great prophecy. When idolatry is less, there's less prophecy. So that was a counterbalance to idolatry. So today we have no idolatry and the prophecy also. The counterbalance went away as well. So we lost prophecy. But it was worth paying the price just to get rid of idolatry. So the answer for idolatry, you don't find people worshipping idols so today, at um, least as much as they did it in those days. Okay. At least as much as they did. People still do. Yes, people still do. But you don't find a great desire amongst the Jews to go worship idols. You don't find this great desire. So, and then they tried to destroy the idolatry for immorality, but they saw the world cannot exist without it. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. So as so they take away the desire for for other for physicality, if people will stop having children. People will stop going to work. So they had to bring it back. Interesting, very fascinating uh Very, very fascinating Okay. So the main task of the Prophet is to tell us the future, predict bounty, famine, war, peace. And tell you there's gonna be a war. How many years they warned us, your temple's going to be destroyed. Do Teshuvah, do Teshuvah, do Teshuvah. Your temple's going to be destroyed. We see it. No. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. Okay, get destroyed. The prophet's telling you. I can see it happening. Just do Teshuvah. If they only listen to the prophet, it will be fine. Everything's going be fine. You have a prophet who's going to tell you what's going to happen. Just listen to him. For goodness sake, he's guiding you. <coughs> no. I'm not going to listen to him. Okay. That's the truth. The trouble is we don't listen to the Prophets. Okay. Human nature hasn't changed. Human nature has not changed. No. So you can imagine he has the, the best Prophets, the biggest Prophets. It says when Haman, when, when took off his, took off his mm-hmm. ring to give to Haman, it was more effective than four Prophets to make Jews do teshuvah. <laughs> 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 so that made Jews do much faster than the, all mm-hmm. the prophecies for hundreds of years, and they weren't changing and they didn't do anything. When uh, Ahasuerus took up his ring to give to Haman, all the Jews did to Shubha. It's amazing. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. If an established prophet testifies that another is a true prophet, we accept the latter without any further test. So Moshe Rabbeinu testifies that Joshua is the next prophet, that's it. We don't have any questions for that. He's already been ordained as a prophet by a reliable prophet. He's a prophet. So says, Elisha is a prophet. Elisha is a prophet. So it takes one, once you know one's a prophet, the other one can be appointed by him without any further testing. Once it is determined the individual is a prophet, we must know and believe that Hashem is among us. It's amazing. It's a sign that God is with us. Because God is talking to us through this person. It's a tremendous sign that God is with us. It's amazing. Okay. And that's uh, so why we had a prophet today just for that reason. You can see Hashem's presence in the midst of the Jewish people. It's such a tremendous thing. Okay, we'll, we'll stop here. And B'zirajah will carry on down. Until next week, B'zirajah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Are you going to have class tomorrow now? Yes. But- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.